0: Welcome to Funeral Gurus Radio. I am your host, Robin Heppel from FuneralFutures.com. We're continuing our series of pre-conference interviews for the ICCFA annual convention that is going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada from March 19th to the 22nd. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Cialdini, who is the author of Influence, Science and Practice, and also, yes, 50 Scientific Proven Ways to Be Persuasive, plus conducts workshops through his company, Influence at Work, located in Tempe, Arizona. Personally, I have to say that this is an honor and a pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with Dr. Cialdini. I've been a student of his for five years now, reading both his books, Influence and Yes. Plus, I have listened to every interview that I can find. So with that introduction, Dr. Cialdini, are you there? I am, Robin. Oh, great. Now, um, uh, before you get into the interview, could you just provide a little bit of background about yourself uh, and your company? Well,
1: certainly. uh, Personally, I've been a behavioral scientist who's been interested in the persuasion process for all my career, how we can um, move people in our direction, not by changing what it is we're offering them, but by changing the way we present what we are offering them in an optimal fashion, so that they're open and receptive to hearing about the good case we have to make for them. My company is influence at work and um and it's uh dedicated to providing uh speaking and training um, services for those organizations who would like to be more influential in the way that they approach the uh the business that they do
0: okay and now um you know, with your, your, your book, uh, Influence, you talk about the the six principles, and, and that's what part of your presentation is going to be at ICCFA in March in Vegas. So if I could maybe just have you just introduce those uh, six principles of persuasion, and, and just keeping in mind that uh, the members of the funeral industry were very cautious people, and we're dealing with uh, client families that, you know, are in a very emotional state, and uh, we would you know, we wouldn't want to be accused of taking advantage of someone who's who's in that grieving process
1: good i'm i'm very pleased to hear about the ethical orientation that uh that you, that you want to take to uh this whole process i think that's crucial for uh being sure that we have uh long-term uh relationships uh that we cultivate with people and uh um, making them much more likely to provide testimonials and referrals and wanting to come back to us in the future
0: great well if you could um, if you could d- d- maybe introduce um, the six principles
1: yeah, you know, I think there are six universal principles of influence uh, principles that are so basic that if we include one or another of them in a request or a proposal or a recommendation that we make, uh, that significantly increases the likelihood of uh, assent uh, to that recommendation. Here they are. The first is the principle of reciprocation. It's the, the one that says people have been trained since childhood in every culture, by the way. So if uh, we're dealing with somebody who wasn't born or raised in, a, in, in our particular culture, it still applies. It's the rule that says people um, want to give back the kind of treatment that they have received from you. So it's very important that we go first in offering something of value, of investing in our customers and our clients and our in our, um Our prospects by giving them something uh, before we ask them to reciprocate by giving us their their business or their testimonial perhaps the second is the principle of scarcity people will try to seize the opportunities that you offer to them that are rare or dwindling in availability this means we have to be sure that we tell them um, what things about us are rare What things about us are unique or uncommon that they can't really get at any of our competitors? Uh, And often it's not any one thing, but it's a particular bundle of features or benefits that we offer that really can't be matched. The third is the principle of authority people will be most persuaded by us when they see us as having knowledge and credibility on the issue. So one of the things we have to do before we ever try to influence people is be sure that they are properly informed about our background, our experience, our credentials uh, in the arena. The fourth is the principle of commitment. Uh, People will feel a need to comply with our requests if the requests are consistent with what they have publicly committed themselves to in our presence, if they have gone on record, if they have stated their preferences, their priorities, and their values, and we've asked them to do so, then it becomes possible to offer them an array of services that are consistent with what they have already said that they want to prioritize. That's a very powerful lever for change. Uh, The next principle is the principle of liking. There will be no surprise uh, that people prefer to say yes to your request to the degree that they know and like you. So uh, one of the things we can do if uh, we uh, do not know uh, the individual, uh, we can find similarities between us, for example, um, that genuinely exist uh, and raise those to the surface. That increases the rapport that people feel with us, makes them more likely to consider us as uh, being someone like them, someone they know uh, as a consequence, and they're more willing... to trust um, their uh, their decision in our hands. And the final sixth uh, universal principle is the principle of consensus. People will be likely to say yes to your request if you first give them evidence that people just like them have been saying yes to it. I saw an interesting study in uh, Beijing, of all places, shows you the cross-cultural reach of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Restaurant owners can significantly increase the likelihood that people will choose a particular item from the menu simply by saying, this is one of our most popular dishes. Truly, honestly, just pointing to the popularity of a particular option and that causes people to reduce their uncertainty about what they should do by looking at what other people like them have done in the situation. they get off the fence and they make a choice
0: well that's uh you know that's so true and and you know I'd love to dive deeper into each one of those, but just uh you know in the sake of time and uh, and also too, I want people to be at your presentation and and get the full ninety minutes uh, of that. But before I let you go, what um, if you don't mind? I'd like to, uh, with your second book, a yes, um, you've outlined fifty scientific proven ways to to be more persuasive. So uh, yeah. I've I've got my top picks, and if you don't mind, um, can I just run uh, run through them by you just to kind of get your uh, specific thoughts as it relates to the funeral industry? Good idea. Okay, great. And uh, now the folks are going to have to get your book and so they can fault they can go through all 50 but uh, here are just the the top ones here so now number 5 is the title of that chapter is when does offering people more Make them want less, and how this might apply to the funeral industry is in our casket and settle and urn selection rooms. Uh, there are anywhere from twenty four to thirty six caskets, and there could also be a couple dozen or more urns to choose from. So, first of all, are we doing something wrong there? And as a follow up question, do you have any thoughts on why some funeral homes achieve a better result or higher? casket sales when they use a catalog or a computer to take them through the selection process instead of showing the family the actual full-size caskets
1: yeah Well, uh, I think it has to do with uh, something that we sometimes forget about human nature uh, in general, but specifically about people who are overwhelmed at at a particular time with emotion or a lot of other things, details, having to uh, be, be taken care of at that moment. And that is, if we give them so many options, they just feel overwhelmed. And they just don't know what to choose, and so they don't choose at all. They just may walk away and go into a different direction to one of our competitors who can uh, narrow the choices that we give. If there are 24 to 36 caskets available, for example, uh, it just may be too much. And so there's research, for example, that showed that uh, Procter and Gamble that uh, manufactures the uh, uh, the shampoo, head and shoulders, mm-hmm. when it changed the number of of um, uh, models or versions, excuse me, versions of head and shoulders uh, uh, shampoo products from 26 down to 15, it produced a 10 percent increase in sales. Twenty-six was just too many for people to decide. They went to something else on the shelves. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we can do is is reduce the the, uh, uh, the number of choices we give, and and sometimes we can do that with a catalog where we can uh, chunk um, uh, the options into categories that uh, reduce the, the the number of uh, possibilities, so we can show people. Uh, uh, opportunities in, that have a particular feature or a particular price range or something of that sort very quickly and reduce the number of options that people have to uh, overwhelm them. Another thing I would suggest is to use that principle of social proof that we were talking about a little earlier that if a lot of other people have been doing something, it's uh, it reduces uncertainty. So one thing uh, uh, a funeral director could say to people in a showroom uh, might be, well, you know, for people in your circumstance, whatever that is, mm-hmm. right? if it's a spouse versus a children, uh, w- whatever the circumstance is, we find that most of our customers in your circumstance choose this option or between these two or three options. Right? Mm-hmm. They are our most popular for people in your circumstance.
0: Okay. And obviously you know something that you could back up not that they would ever call you on that but something that uh you know is truth you're not just true you're not pushing them to the high end you're being absolutely yeah. okay.
1: just go with what is honestly the most popular for people in their circumstance or with their re- resources and inform them into assent. we don't trick them we don't deceive them mm-hmm. we educate them in
0: ts okay well that's that's great that is a great insight. Thank you for that. Now, uh, going to number 10, uh, which office item can make your influence stick? So we're, we're talking about post-it notes, and I'll let you explain how that works. But a lot of funeral homes and cemeteries uh, use follow-up surveys that they give to families immediately after the service. So if a, if a funeral director wanted to increase uh, his or her overall number of returns and also receive a higher level of satisfaction to those surveys, um, would you suggest using this strategy that they personally take um, you know, uh, a post-it note and make a handwritten uh, note on it? And and if so, what would be the best thing to write on it?
1: Yes. Um, actually, there's research on, on this question. Um, uh, one researcher uh, sent out a request for surveys and he used a standard approach in which um, uh, there was a cover letter asking people to complete the survey by a certain time and return it. Um, there was a second approach in which um, there was a, uh, a, a handwritten message written on the cover letter asking the recipient to, uh, to fill it out uh, in, a, in a timely way. And a third one, instead of writing the message on the um, on the cover letter, it was written on a post-it note. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he sent out those three different kinds of requests. What he found was kind of remarkable: the standard condition, where there's just a, a cover letter, produced a sixty uh, excuse me a thirty six percent response rate. If there was a handwritten note on the cover letter. It produced a 48% response rate. Mm-hmm. But most astoundingly, if there was a handwritten note on a post it, it produced a 75% response. Wow. And when the researcher inquired into why that was the case, the people who had received the post it note said they were giving back to the researcher who had gone out of his way to do something special for them, to go out and find a post-it note and write it and and so on. So it was the rule for reciprocation. People felt that they had been given something by the um, researcher, special attention to them with that note, and they were going to reciprocate by giving back to him. Wow. So that's, what, that's what our directors could do. Put a, a post-it note with a request um, and a little personalized note on it mm-hmm. asking for their help.
0: Well, that's great. And I th- and the, I lo- I love that one because, you know, this doesn't need to even be from the, the company's perspective. This could be the individual who wants, you know, the individual funeral director or c- uh, cemeterian who wants to, uh, you know, connect with that customer more because I know that a lot of them, you know, receive either bonuses for getting surveys back and the more positive surveys and things like that. So, you know, this is something that one person can do. Just keep a post-it note and a pen and and write those out. So, excellent. Okay, uh, Dr. Cialdini, uh, just one last one, if we can do that. Uh, Now, number 47, so we're getting close to the end of the 50, and the the title of that uh, short chapter is, How Can Technology Impede Persuasive Progress?, so, with technology and particular uh, particularly email, funeral homes and cemeteries receive a lot of pricing inquiries by email and uh, as well as they do by the phone, but more so by email now and would um you know after reading that chapter, would uh, adding a like a nice picture of yourself in your email signature uh, would this help you win clients over?
1: I believe it would, for the reason that we suggested in the title, very often technology impedes. The, the success of a persuasive approach because it dehumanizes it. It takes all the blood uh, uh, and, and out of the uh, uh, out of the experience. You're, it's, it's the least uh, humanizing of all influence approaches and channels for influence is email. I mean, there's just nothing there that humanizes us, and so we can put that back by. Inst- of responding with just a price list, uh, include personalized information, include photos of yourself and your staff members, maybe even a little biographical information that humanizes you, gives you a chance to let those people feel familiar with you. And now we have the liking process going in our uh, favor uh, because we've differentiated ourselves from others mm-hmm. uh, by making ourselves seem more familiar, more personal, more human. And people in that particular time of their lives are aching for some human contact that they can feel uh, good about and that they can trust.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's excellent. And that's something that you know it doesn't cost any extra money It just takes just a little bit of extra time to add that in and and uh and you know their competition won't won't know what they're doing so that's right. um that's amazing amazing okay well dr cialdini thank you uh thank you so much for your time today uh when in las vegas i am going to be in the front row at your presentation and <laughs> and uh you know what i believe that uh, it's going to be one of the most or if not the most insightful presentations that we've ever heard because we've never really heard um, a presentation uh, about this, especially geared towards us. So, um, you know, because we always think that we're, we're special and we're in a unique circumstance. So I'm looking forward to it. And I recommend everyone that's going to the conference to be in attendance as well. So Dr. Cialdini, any final uh, thoughts?
1: Well, no, I think we've covered uh, things uh, in a a very basic and uh, uh, wide-reaching way, and I I, I think the the final thought is for me to reinforce again your opening thought, which was the importance of doing this in a way that is altogether ethical, altogether uh, responsible, and uh, that will create great uh, uh, advantages for us in,
0: uh, in the future. Well, this has been great. I'd like to thank Dr. Robert Cialdini, the author of Influence, Science and Practice, and yes, 50 Scientific Proven Ways to be Persuasive, who will be presenting Influence, Breaking Down the Barriers to Yes at ICCFA's annual convention that is going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada from March 19th to the 22nd. For more information and registration details, visit www.iccfa.com. Check back soon for another ICCFA pre-conference interview. On behalf of FuneralGurus.com, this is Robin Heppel.